Good morning. The reading is Psalm 139, verses 1 to 10. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Um, Have a think for a moment. Out of all the people that know you, who do you reckon knows you best? Who do you think knows you best? I'm not going to ask you to, to share that. Yes, the answer is Jesus. But apart from Jesus, who knows you best? I went on Facebook yesterday, as is my custom, uh, and all the adverts that popped up on my Facebook feed were were pretty spot on. I was offered a hair serum to release the beach waves in my hair. And for those of you like me who actually have quite wavy hair and spend far too long of our life straightening our hair with hair straighteners, I I thought that's brilliant. What a liberation that might be. Uh, And then I got offered an advert for an anti-aging pillowcase. (laughs) Just rude, just rude. In my reels, if you don't know what reels are, don't worry, you haven't missed out on anything massive. I was offered the big church day out and a reel about IJM, International Justice Mission, and Bridgerton. Uh, Isn't that fantastic? Facebook knows me. And as is my custom, having uh, had a little flick through my Facebook friends, I then popped into the Twitter sphere and was told that because I'd liked a tweet from the Bishop of Durham uh, a few days before, I might like to read this tweet from the Bishop of Manchester. I don't know the Bishop of Manchester. I know the Bishop of Durham. I don't care. Sorry. (laughs) Don't publish that, Jamie. Uh, But anyway, thanks anyway, Twitter. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they know me. They know uh, my preferences, the people I'm interested in, uh, the opinions that I hold. But as, ultimately, as much as I like social media, and lots of us too, and hear me correctly, I do think that social media has lots of brilliant things about it. Social media can also be guilty of selling us an illusion of intimacy. We can feel that we're known, can't we? That we're seen, that maybe our voices are heard and are given a platform that we might have nowhere else in our lives. Maybe on social media, we feel that somebody somewhere notices us. But ultimately, I think that all social media is doing is cashing in on this deep desire within all of us to be known. Church leader and author Tim Keller wrote a book about marriage, and he said this, 
To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. And that's because God created us to be relational beings, because he is a relational God. We're made to be in relationship with him and with each other, aren't we? And that's why the psalm uh, that Amy read to us, the section of Psalm 139, it speaks to our hearts because it takes us deeply into this truth that God knows us, God loves us, and wants to be in a relationship with us. Now, I reckon I was a pretty standard teenager. My mum might... uh, disagree with that if she was around to share with you. Uh, And so I went through all the usual questions about my own self-worth. You know, I had times where I felt like nobody noticed me or nobody knew me really and what was going on in my head. I would lie on my bed in my pink cloudy bedroom, because that's what we had in the 80s, staring at the ceiling, wondering what I was going to do with my life. Would anybody truly love me in my life? And one day, in one of those moments, because we didn't have social media in those days, so we couldn't pick up our phone and start scrolling, I picked up my Bible. I must have been really bored. And I actually read Psalm 139. And I had a breakthrough in my teenage existential crisis. It was certain phrases that just jumped out of the page from this psalm. Do open it on your phone or your Bible if you'd like to, Psalm 139. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You discern my going out and my lying down. And then a bit later, you hem me in behind and before. And it was like in that moment, the Spirit really spoke into my heart, into my deepest needs. And I realized that the Holy Spirit knows me. He gets me and he will always be there for me. And I had this picture in that moment. I don't know how old I was. I was probably about 16 or so. And I drew it in my teenage diary, which I still have. And I drew this picture of being held in God's hands, the hands of God sort of surrounding me, holding me, protecting me, knowing me, known Right at the center of who we are as humans is this desire to be known. And Psalm 139 clearly shows us that God knows us, God loves us, and wants to be in a relationship with us. And so as we unpack the riches of this psalm in the next few moments, maybe be open to the Spirit speaking to you and reminding you, Whatever's going on, that he knows you and he loves you deeply. In the first uh, six verses of this psalm, we discover that the Spirit knows uh, the psalmist completely. In a world world which tells us uh, that we are to pursue self-knowledge, that self-knowledge will lead to freedom and to peace and to purpose, these verses are really liberating for us because they get us to shift our focus from ourself onto God. 
the God who knows us deeply. They remind us that there is one who knows us more than we can ever know ourselves, who knows us inside out already. And if we're seen and known by God, our focus can shift from the pursuit of working out this whole life thing on our own to pursuing more of God, getting to know the one who knows us and loves us already. And so what is the one who knows us uh, like? What is this one who knows us so completely like? Well, he is omniscient, omniscient. This is one of those theological words that we bandy around to describe God, but it's actually quite helpful. It captures, this word captures the wonder of God, his transcendent and yet imminent nature that we talked about a few weeks ago. It captures the power and the intimacy of God, omniscience. It means all-knowing. The Spirit of God is omniscient. He knows us beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. Look at the verses, the first few verses of this uh, psalm. You have searched me and you know me, O Lord. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Now, a few months ago, I lost one of my AirPods, completely first world problem. And I searched and I searched for that missing AirPod. I didn't just look, I searched. I examined every place that I had been at least three times over. I looked in the gutters and the grates of the roads that I'd walked along. I walked along and looked at the, the, uh, the walls along the side of the road, because maybe some really nice person had seen it and picked it up and put it on the side of the road. I rang everybody that I'd been even near during that day to see if they had seen it, to get them to watch out for my AirPod. I activated my Find the AirPod tracker. That is a thing. It is a thing, find my AirPod tracker. And what it did is it made the one AirPod that I still had ring. Uh, who would have known? Uh, you know, I pulled up the mats in my car. That never happens. And I checked every bag and every pocket. No joy. This is not a good happy ending. I have still not found the missing AirPod. I have one. The Lord doesn't just look at us on the surface, on the surface of our lives, how we present but he searches me and he examines me. He knows the stuff that we never acknowledge about ourselves. The things that are in the recesses, the crevices under the mats of our lives. He searches me and he knows me. The psalmist says that he knows my actions when I sit and when I rise, my going out and my lying down. That means he knows what I do in secret, in private, and what I do out in the open. He knows. He doesn't just hear either the words that come out of my mouth, but he knows the thoughts that are never, that never turn into words. And he even knows the intention and the emotion behind the thoughts that never turn into words. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. He knows when I say one thing and I mean the other. He knows when the words that come out of my mouth to somebody aren't, don't correspond to what's going on in my head. 
And the psalmist goes on in verse 5. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. I love this idea of being hemmed in. You know, it makes it takes me to that image of the strong arms of God uh, holding me, wrapping me up. It implies to me safety. And I think this is what spoke to me so profoundly uh, in that moment when I was a teenager and I had the image of me sitting in the huge hands of God, hemmed in. But this Hebrew, the Hebrew phrase that is interpreted as hemmed in uh, can infer two things. Being surrounded by a hedge or being besieged. And those two things have quite different connotations, don't they? Being hedged in and being besieged. The image of a hedge, it it implies being kept safe, protected. Whereas being besieged feels quite different from that, doesn't it? it? It implies being held against my will by some sort of aggressor. And we've seen that so painfully and destructively as we've seen the news and all the images that have come particularly uh, from Maripol in, in Ukraine. So there seems to be this tension here. Is the psalmist saying that being hemmed in by the Spirit of God is a, is a negative thing or a good thing? And theologians uh, disagree about it. And then there's this phrase, you lay a hand upon me. And this leaves me with similar questions about uh, the Spirit's intention in that moment and his relationship with me. Imagine a parent who lays their hand on their child's shoulder. And it can, it can mean different things. You know, I was thinking about it. I have put uh, my hand on one of my children's shoulders in a crowd to let them know gently, you know, I'm here. Don't worry. I'm here. Mom's here. You're safe. I've also put my hand on my child's shoulder to stop them doing something stupid like running into the road. It's like, I'm here, don't move. I've also put my hand on their shoulder to say, I'm here, I can see what you're about to do. I probably wouldn't do that if I were you. And so I think that when it comes to the psalmist capturing God's relationship to him, I actually think it's a bit of both. Let me explain. It's clear from this psalm and from our wider reading of scripture that because the spirit of God is all-knowing, he knows what we need before we know that we need it. He knows what we need even when we think we need something different. He knows those moments in life uh, where it's just difficult and chaotic. Something feels out of control. He knows then what we need and that we need to feel hemmed in like a hedge with his hand on us, keeping us safe, protecting us, being the comfort. And because he knows us, our actions, our thoughts, everything. He also knows the things that you and I do in secret that haven't ever been brought out into the light. 
He knows the sin in my life that I have never brought out of the light to Jesus and confessed it to him. But Jesus has still died for all that stuff. And so for some of us, we need to know the strong hand of God on our shoulder, which is a hand that draws us back to him, which says, I know you, I know what's going on, and I love you. And this is not the right way. You need to come back to me and you need to bring all this stuff into the light and confess it to me if you want to live fully in the life and the freedom that I've got to you. You lay your hand on me. So being known by God is a huge comfort. But it can also be a bit of a check-in for our lives, can't it? You know, God knows. He knows the difficulty. He knows the struggle. He knows the, the joys and the temptations that we face. He knows the choices that are before us. He's there to remind us of his presence, to draw us back to him, to challenge us, to nudge our conscience about something because he knows. And then secondly, being known by the God who loves us and draws us into relationship with him means that he is inescapable. This is where the psalmist gets really specific about the Holy Spirit. He says this, verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I wonder if you've ever felt a need to escape from something or someone I expect if you have, it wasn't very nice because by implication, we don't need to flee or escape from anything which is good, do we? We escape from things like a car crash or we flee from an abusive partner. For millions of Ukrainian refugees, they're fleeing from the horrors and destruction of war. We might talk about escaping from a job that we're finding really difficult So why is it implied that the psalmist wants to escape, to flee from the Spirit of God? Where can I flee from your presence, he says. And I think that actually what we're seeing here is an acknowledgement that the Spirit of God is everywhere. The Spirit of God is omnipresent. Even if you wanted to escape from him, you can't. Even if, um, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence, he says. And then he goes on. You know, if I go up to the highest heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there also. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So as the psalmist imagines in in these words, an escape from the all-knowing God he realizes that wherever he goes, the Spirit of God is there. He's inescapable. He's here in the highest heavens and the deepest depths of the earth, as far as the east is from the west. God is there. But what does that look like for you and I? Well, I think it looks like this. If we're on the mountaintops of life, well, the Spirit of God is there. If I'm filled with contentment and joy, the Spirit of God is there. If things are going really well in my work or my family life, 
the Spirit of God is there. You know, if my faith is rocking and rolling, that's the technical term, prayer is answered, doubts are driven out, you know, I'm loving reading my Bible, the Spirit of God is there on those mountaintops. But also, if I am in the deepest valleys, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the Spirit of God is there. If I'm battling pain or depression, grief, deep loneliness, the Spirit of God is there. If I'm walking through a valley of faith, hanging on to Jesus by my fingertips, God is there. If I'm dragging myself to church or being dragged by somebody else every week, the Spirit of God is there. If prayer feels like a chore and I haven't read my Bible for two years, in the valleys, the Spirit of God is there. But not only do we find that wherever we go, the Spirit of God is there. The fact that we imagine that we can escape from God in the first place can actually bizarrely, lead us further into intimacy with him. Look at what the psalmist reflects. Verse 10. If I go to the highest heavens, the deepest depths, furthest east, the furthest west, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So your hand, the same hand that lays a hand on me to show me that you know me so deeply and intimately, when I try and escape from you, that hand is there to guide me, to hold me fast. And it's not a a gentle, leading hand, but implied in this phrase here is that this hand has a strong grasp. So that when I slip into the darkest edge of the earth or the deepest crevasses of my life or the farthest edge of my faith in God, it's there that the hand of the Spirit of God will seize me and will grip hold of me and will not let me go, but then will lead me out. And you might think you have gone too far for the hand of God to reach you. It reminds me of uh, the parable of the prodigal son where the son has rejected the father and he's run away and he's taken his inheritance and he's squandered all his dad's money. And the son has gone as far as possible from his father's house. But found, even though he did that, that in his deepest and darkest moment, that there was nowhere where the love of the Father couldn't reach him. And you might identify in some way for yourself or for somebody else that maybe is on your heart today with the prodigal son or daughter. But remember, there is nowhere that the Spirit is not present. There is nowhere the hand of the Father cannot reach you or that person you're praying for. He has you in his grip even if you can't see it or you can't recognize it at the moment. And then what happens in that parable when the son returns? He's brought, isn't he, as that picture shows us, into the intimate embrace of the father, closer than ever before. 
He had thought he could escape. He'd let the father go, but the father had never let him go. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You've got a grip on me. And so the Spirit of God is inescapable. Wherever we go, spiritually, emotionally, physically, his love will be there, behind and before and beside us, reaching in and drawing you out, reminding you that he knows you and he loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. Let's just pause and have a moment. I want to close your eyes and just ask the Spirit to give you courage to share with him what's really on your heart now. It might be for you, your situation, or somebody who's close to you. And just pour out your heart to God. You might just need to say, God, I need to grasp your hand right now. Spirit of God, we thank you that you are inescapable, that there is nowhere we can go from your spirit. You are before us and behind us, and you're walking right beside us, even if we find it really hard at the moment to recognize you with us. Thank you that we are known so deeply by you. And Lord, for some of us, we just need to know this, in a revolutionary, transformational way in our lives. We've been walking down one way and we're maybe a bit like the prodigal. We've just sort of run away from you a bit. But Lord, thank you that the Father's arms are wide and they're welcoming and they're ready to embrace us and welcome us back to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you continue to work in our hearts, our minds. that we'd realize that we can't do it on our own, that we can't do life on our own, that we can't solve all the problems of the world. But Lord, you are there. There is nowhere we can go to get away from your spirit. But your love follows us and holds us and draws us back to you.